Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've already spoken to us so clearly. And Father, I pray, God, how I pray that we would look to you for our salvation, that in times of difficulty that we would look to you for uh, help and for strength and for grace. Father, thank you by your actions on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. God, I, I thank you that we have new life and we have new hope and not based on anything we do other than just accepting the gift of, of salvation in your presence. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Thanks for being here and welcome to those of you online. It matters that we all come together. Uh, as you know, we've been in the, in the process of going through First Peter. He's, he's addressing a group of believers, followers of Jesus who were displaced and we're experiencing all kinds of difficulty, all kinds of hardship, all kinds of persecution. What do you say to those who find themselves in a horrible season? Well, Peter says there's hope. There's amazing hope even in the midst of the most volatile times. And that hope has a name and the hope's name is Jesus. As Troy said last week, as we reflect Jesus who is the light of the world. Everything we've talked about this morning has not been about us. It's been about Jesus Christ. So as we reflect the light of Jesus, we are like the moon simply reflecting the rays from our source. So all we need to do is rightly align ourselves to the cornerstone that Troy talked about last week. Align ourselves to what does Jesus say? What does God's word have to say? Align our lives to that and then live in close proximity for those people that are around us who need to know the light. What Peter points out is, if you know who you are, then you know how to live. If you know who you are, then you know how to live. When our grandsons very rarely mess up, this is not how Johnsons act. When you know who you are, you know how to live because our behavior flows from our identity. Or another way to put it is how we live is determined by who we are. Well, this is where we left off last week, 1 Peter 2, verse 5. And you are living stones. Let's stop at this point. He doesn't say standing stones, and they would understand standing stones because a standing stone was something they would erect whenever a great movement of God took place. Here's, here's one, one example among many. But when we had, uh, when they crossed the Red Sea, before they finished, uh, Moses said, gather up stones in the middle of the Red Sea. We will stack them as a standing stone so that when generations to come see those standing stones, they will ask, what, do, what happened here? What did God do? How was God manifested? How was God's glory shown? And this is this. He says, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we're not standing stones. We're living stones. Wherever we go, people ought to be encouraged to say, what, what am I seeing in you that's so different than everybody else? That we are living stones. That God is building. And it's in the present tense. Don't fly past that either. God is in the process of building. All of us have so far to go. But the process is as we align our lives to Jesus, as we align our lives to Scripture, then we are able to allow God to develop us. And we are God's building into his spiritual temple. In other words, his presence. What's more, you're his holy priest, his representatives. 
Through the mediation of Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Verse 9, for you, notice here's who we are. Here's who you are. You are chosen people. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation. Holy meaning set apart, distinct. We talked about that followers of Jesus should live distinctive lives, different than whatever everybody else is around us. For you are a holy nation, God's very own possession. Again, here's that hope where they come through, that wherever they go, they are possessed by God. The presence of Jesus is in you. So no matter what horrible season you may find yourself in, you have the presence of God with you. There is hope for you. As a result, here you go, if you know who you are, then you know how to behave because your, how you live is determined by who we are. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Or in the message paraphrase, it says, you can tell others about the night and day differences Jesus has made in your life. Isn't that awesome? That you would live such a distinctive life that, that you would be able to say, here's the night and day difference Jesus makes in my life, even in the midst of horrible, difficult times. So be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable, distinctive personality and behavior, and they will give honor, notice, not to you, but to give God honor when he judges the world. We are to live distinctive lives. We are to simultaneously engage the world while not compromising our beliefs. Why? Because we are kingdom citizens. This, this is not our home. This is, this is just transition time for us. We, and that's why he's saying, keep in mind that you, you have a different citizenship. Your citizenship is not where you are. It's where you're going to go, the kingdom of God in heaven. We're to live distinctive lives. Now remember, Peter's addressing followers of Jesus who were living displaced lives. They were under the rule of the Roman emperor Nero. You may remember Nero. He burned down Rome. It took him nine days to do it. And history says that while Rome was burning down, he was singing joyful songs. Well, it didn't go over well, as you can imagine. Well, so they started uh, getting upset with Nero. And so what did he do? He blamed followers of Jesus for the burning he put it off and said, it's those Christians. They're the ones who are so different. They're the ones who burned it. And so as a result of that, he blamed the, the burning of Rome on Christians. It would be reported in history that Christians, actually they had uh, animal skins sewn to their bodies and then thrown out in the wilderness so animal, wild animals would attack them and eat them. Many were even dipped into, uh, into wax to use to illuminate the gardens by burning uh, by burning them. Later, Peter would be crucified upside down, and yet he still says there's hope, and it's because we have the presence of God living in us, and this is not our home. We are different. He was actually sharing a letter full of hope and encouragement. That is the basis for where we head this morning. Now, for those of you who know me well, or at least I, I, if you don't know me well, but I'm hoping you feel this way. You know, my desire more than anything else to bring is to be a, a, a pastor who encourages, to do whatever I can to help you to experience genuine faith, to engage in meaningful relationships where you feel known and seen and cared for and where you are uh, living a, a life with meaningful impact. And so that comes 
naturally to me to be that kind of a person. I, I actually care about you, believe it or not. I do. As I pray uh, every day, but especially in, you know, on Sundays, I pray that God would put me in contact with someone that I can breathe life into and bring, encourage them in their walk with Jesus. Today's message is a difficult one for me. That's why I came up early. I wanted to get it over with. It's a harder message, and it requires that I be forthright and challenging our church on a very disruptive topic. It, it, for me to be the best pastor I can be, I've always got to be honest to say, here's what the Bible says, align our lives to the Bible. Here's what the Bible says, align our lives with the Bible. So as much as I wanted to hand this talk off to another staff member, brace yourself because it needs to be said and talked about. I want to talk about what the Bible says about living in an adverse political environment. The doors are locked. You cannot tag out online. We will find you. We know who you are. A recent poll by University of Virginia's Center for Politics showed that 75% of Biden voters, 75% of Biden voters, 78% of Trump voters believe that their political opponents have become a clear and present danger to the American way of life. Wow. Now, the only thing that surprises me is if the percentages weren't higher. <laughs> kind of makes you want to do a group hug, doesn't it? In such a bitterly divided culture, my purpose today is to present biblical ways to deal with our relationship with those who feel differently than we do. And what do we do with the government, whether we're in support or not support of the direction that it's going? Remember, our identity determines our behavior. That's why we set it up. Our identity defines our behavior. Let me hasten to say that I believe, I believe our political views, our favorite pundits, our choice of social media, while important, should take its cue from Scripture and not the other way around. Our outlets, our political outlets and where we get our information needs to move back to informing us instead of transforming us. It's God's job to transform us. That's why we say, what does the Bible say? That's why Brett Wellstead is offering a class on how to properly read God's Word, how to get the most out of the Bible on this Wednesday night. So if you have any questions about God, the human nature, the universe, and related subjects, Brett will answer it for you. <laughs> now, as we jump into it, Peter speaks not from the far right, not from the far left, not from the center, but from a totally different map, the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God have to say about how we conduct ourselves? Chapter 2, verse 13. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. For the Lord's sake. Respect all human authority, whether the king is the head of the state or the officials he's appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that you live honorable lives so you can silence false things said about you. Verse 17, respect everyone. Wow. Respect everyone. 
except those on Facebook. Meta, excuse me. Respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God, respect the king. Notice in verse 13 it says, for the Lord's sake, not your chosen political beliefs as strong as they may be and as right or as wrong as they may be or somewhere in between. It is for the Lord's sake that you respect all human authority. Respect everyone. And then he, in verse 17, respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God. Sometimes we fall into this this Santa Jesus kind of thing where we think that Jesus exists for 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 us and to meet our needs and have have rubbed your Bible and out poofs genie Jesus and he says, "What do you want now? Can I meet your needs?" This says, "Fear God." And so we need to be careful that we understand that we have a holy God who calls us to be obedient to him. In Isaiah 6, we don't have time to look at it, but Isaiah 6, Isaiah is overwhelmed with the greatness of God and the place shakes because of the holiness of God. And he says, woe is me, for I'm a person of unclean lips. I have an unclean life. He responds to the, the greatness of God. Respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God. Respect the king. Paul agreed in Romans 13, let every person be subject to governing authorities. Let every person be subject to governing authorities. And that word be subject, I want to stop and, and talk about that. It's, it's called, in the Greek, it's called a present middle imperative voice. Present middle imperative. And it's important to know that because it means it's ongoing. So when it says, let everyone... Uh, everyone respect the king and let everyone honor the king. Uh, it means that it is an ongoing decision that you have to make. And it is present and it's a middle tense, meaning it's something that you make the decision to. It's not forced on you. It is a decision that you make to yield to who God has allowed to be in charge it's an ongoing decision you make. One, we must honor the position even if we disagree with the person. Honor the position. Now, demeaning our leaders as persons undermines the office they hold and the nation they serve. It leads us down a downward spiral of vengeance. We need to learn to address the policy, not the person. And how do you do that? By respecting everyone, that we're to love one another and fear God and respect the king. And we do that by how we address things that we don't agree with. Two, which may be the harder one of the You thought that was difficult. Try this one on. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, we're to love those on the other side of the aisle and pray for them. Oh, Wow. Love those on the other side of the aisle and pray for them, not against them. Pray for them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And actually, in the Greek language, the word persecute is translated in the process of persecuting you. 
So even as they are undermining you, as they, as they are doing things that disturb you, you are to pray for them so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Again, our behavior is determined by our identity. And he says, this is not how followers of Jesus act. We pray for those who persecute us. We love our enemies. We pray for them. In Acts 17, 6, it says, these people have turned the world upside down. This is what Jesus wants to do even, and again, this is when Rome is in, in crazy shape. It is just a, a, a horrible shape. And he's, and he's saying, no, listen to this. These people have turned the world upside down for God. It was for him, not their preferred political beliefs. Titus, Paul says in Titus 3, remind the believers who, who live distinctive lives, speaking to us, submit to the government and its officers that they should be obedient Always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone. Again, what does the Bible say? Align your life to that. Don't slander anyone. Avoid quarreling. Instead, we should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. New Cove is not and cannot be held together by our political orientation or sociology. We are held together by Jesus and his call to know him and to share him. We have to be a church that says what, what brings both sides together at New Cove is, is why we exist. We exist to know God and to make him known, to, to know God in all areas of our life and make him known. We do that. Because we're followers of Jesus. If the Bible doesn't challenge your view of dealing with conflict, you're not really paying attention to scriptures. If the Bible doesn't challenge how you're treating your spouse, you're not really reading the scriptures very seriously. If the Bible doesn't challenge your level of generosity, and let me just quickly say, it is a privilege to be a part of this church. Your generosity is amazing. Whenever there's a need that comes out, you meet that need. And even during the, the, all the COVID issues, you have been faithful to give. And so your little, your little bit gives, uh, what you give matters. If you give a lot, it matters. It's the faithfulness of New Covenant. I'm so grateful for that. And, and we'll give our offerings later, and it'll be a good day for offerings, even in spite of the message you're hearing because you're committed to being generous people. But if the Bible doesn't challenge your level of generosity, your level of concern for the losses of your friends, your care for the down and out, then you're not really paying attention to scriptures. If the Bible doesn't challenge your politics, at least occasionally, you're not really paying attention to the scriptures. Sometimes scripture is most useful when it doesn't say what we want it to say, because then it is correcting us. Now, what about when you feel under assault? When your beliefs, and you think, I'm just not sure what to do with this situation because it doesn't line up with what I believe. 
and you feel like you need to protect it, I do know this, that the early Christians transformed the Roman Empire not by, by demanding but by loving, not by angrily shouting about their rights in the public square, but by serving the people who even persecuted them. This is why Christianity grew so quickly and took over the empire. So what are we to do? Let me close with this. Be informed of the issues. Read on both sides. Be informed of the issues. Second, let Scripture drive your stance. Let the issues be filtered through what does the Bible have to say. Share your feelings, beliefs with respect, gentleness, and humility. In Acts 5, Peter actually stood up against the government. They said, you can't, you can't speak about Jesus anymore. And they said, well, respectfully, we have to be honor God. And that comes first. But they did it respectfully and with gentleness. So share your feelings and beliefs with respect, gentleness, and humility. Don't slander anyone. And don't vote. I mean, do vote. Excuse me. <laughs> it's been nice being your pastor. God bless you very much. Vote. Oh, my soul. I love you, New Cove. I do. And I love you so much that I'm committed and our staff is committed to say, what does God's word had to say? And how can we develop a church that isn't based politically, but is based scripturally that says, this is what God's word says. And so we want to know Jesus and we want to know him. We're going to pursue him. We want to do everything we can to help you come in to know Jesus Christ and to keep growing and then to live your life in such a way that people see Jesus in you and they, as a result of being around you and as a result of disagreeing with you that you re respect them and you share your beliefs, but you don't let divisions happen simply because of political beliefs. We, we're different than this, Nuka. We're different because we're followers of Jesus Christ. We've got to live out of our calling, and our calling is to be like Jesus. So here's how I want uh, to close our, our time. I want us to pray, and I've got three different prayers for us to pray before we uh, give our offerings. And uh, James 1.5 will be the passage. Uh, it's not going to be on the, uh, on the uh, board. Uh, but let me tell you what James 1.5 is going to say. And it, it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously, who will give it without finding fault and will be given to you. So for the following people and agencies, we want to pray that they would hear from God and that they would have wisdom that comes from God and they would be able to ascertain the difference between human wisdom and godly wisdom. Our first round of prayer, if you will pray for President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, Chuck Schumer, and Mitch McConnell. So spend a time just praying, James 1, 5, over them, that they would hear from God and yield to God.
Father, the issue is not whether we voted for these people or not. The issue is not whether we agree with them or not. Our role is to pray for them. And so, Father, for those that we have talked about, would you give them wisdom? Would you surround them with wise people who love Jesus? Give them ears to hear wisdom. Give them the discernment to know the difference between godly wisdom and and human thinking. And give them courage. Let's pray now for the House of Representatives and the Senate. Same prayer. Father, I pray for those in the Senate and the House of Representatives. God, I pray that they would have courage to look to you. I pray for those who don't know you, that they would be influenced to give their hearts to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom, godly wisdom, give them courage to stand on godly wisdom. And Father, we commit our country to you. Last of all, let's pray for our Supreme Court. All that we've been talking about, um, these men and women need to hear from God, especially this week. Pray for them. Father, I pray uh, for those that um, will be making difficult decisions. I pray that this week as they uh, have so many things on their plates and things that matter to all of us, God, I pray that you would give them wisdom and they would align their lives to Scripture. Father, we... We pray that they would be influenced for Jesus' sake. Father, may we stand in the gap for them. May we pray for them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll close this morning. Uh, This will be uh, our offering uh, time for those of you online. And again, those online, thank you for continuing to give and to support. And here at New Cov on it on campus. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, it gives us the ability to keep reaching out and uh, helping those within our churches, also those outside the church as well, and it keeps our ministries running. Your giving matters, and I want to ask God to honor you this morning as you give. Father, as we commit our tithes and our offerings, may we be generous today. May we give and give because we love you and that we love uh, what you're doing through the, uh, through the lives of New Cub. Father, may we use the money wisely, and may it be blessed and honored. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.